Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. <laughs> Hi there, I'm Carla Nappi, and this is New Books in East Asian Studies. Welcome and thank you for joining us. I just spoke with Ian Condry about his new book, The Soul of Anime, Collaborative Creativity and Japan's Media Success Story. The Duke University Press published that in 2013. This is a book that is going to be of obvious interest and import to anybody who's interested in the history of and the contemporary practices of anime and manga, comics, film, television, and Japan and beyond. It's a really fascinating ethnography based on very different kinds of fieldwork over many years in Japan, in toy factories, in anime production studios, at fan conventions, online, and in lots of other places. So it's really fascinating as a window into the production and generation and formation and also history of anime in Japan. It's also, though, at the same time about much, much more than anime or manga or Japan. This is a story that's also very much about contemporary media, about transmedia ethnographies, what that can look like, what that might look like, what that does look like. It's about how we think about collaboration and creativity and their relationship and the ways that anime, for example, is not just an industry, but rather it emerges from and its success really relies on the interplay among many, many different kinds of people, kinds of spaces, kinds of objects and ideas, uh, including fans, including producers, writers, toy manufacturers, um, different kinds of media. And it's a really, really fascinating story of transmedia practices in that way. As you'll see, or as you'll hear rather over the course of the interview, from the beginning to the end, this is also a story about futures of democracy, futures of capitalism, possible ways of thinking about the spaces and the kinds of grounds from which creativity and from which media practices and products um, with products conceived very broadly here emerge. And so it's a really fascinating account of that as well. I got a lot out of it, and um, that's a lot coming from somebody who usually works on and focuses on you know, 16th century Chinese translation practices in science and medicine. So it's, it's a really great book. Um, it's really, really interesting, and it was great fun and really enlightening, actually, to talk with Ian about it. So I hope you enjoy. We're here today to talk with Ian Condry about his new book, The Soul of Anime, Collaborative Creativity and Japan's Media Success Story. Welcome to New Books in East Asian Studies, Ian, and thank you so much for taking time out to talk with me during a very busy time in the semester. Thanks for having me. So could you start us off by saying just a little bit about your background? What brought you to the field of the anthropology of modern Japan? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess I first uh, started my interest uh, in Japan, or at least started pursuing it, when I failed my Spanish competency exam in college. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My college had a language requirement. I had studied Spanish for years, uh, but when I took the competency exam, I failed marvelously and needed to take a year of language. 
And I was really torn. I was thinking, I don't know, Russian or Japanese, something I couldn't do in uh, high school. And I just read Shoga, uh, that kind of crappy, I shouldn't say crappy, but uh, <laughs> medium-level James Clavell novel. But it was quite fascinating. And so I said, okay, I'm just going to take Japanese. And I had a great Japanese language teacher who really turned me on to the language. Uh, and so I took another year of the language, and then I had a chance to go to Japan for the summer. And gradually, I increasingly found uh, my path leading through Japan. I spent a year on the JET program after college. I, uh, I worked for a Japanese newspaper in Washington, D.C. for a couple years after that. Uh, and it was really that experience of living in Japan and working for a Japanese newspaper in the U.S. that got me interested in anthropology. Uh, that I was uh, thinking about journalism, but one of my jobs as uh, at the Yomiuri Shimbun, where I worked in D.C., was to interview academics. Uh, so I was hanging out with both journalists and listening to academics, and what I found was that journalists uh, knew a little about a lot of things, uh, and that academics knew a lot about little things. <laughs> but in some ways, I found the perspectives of the micro-focused academics to be more broad. Uh, and actually more insightful was my experience. And so that drew me to back to academia, which I thought I had left behind. And then I was read a book uh, that was advertised in the Science Time about anthropology as cultural critique. Uh, and that I had never heard of. I'd heard of anthropology. I didn't actually know what it was as an undergrad. I thought it was about bones and things like that, uh, which some anthropology is, but I hadn't heard about cultural anthropology until reading this book. And uh, it really, this book, Anthropology is Cultural Critique, is a very simple argument, which is that we do anthropology not only to understand other cultures, but to use that understanding to see the limitations of our own cultural understandings. Uh, and that was very much the experience I had living in Japan, uh, and it was also something I felt... Uh, being in that office of Japanese journalists and helping them, helping explain America to them, uh, was that this kind of comparative perspective really helps you understand your own culture in an interesting way. Uh, and that's what drew me to anthropology, and that's where I had language in Japan, uh, so Japan was going to be my focus. And that's kind of the short story, I suppose, I suppose of how I got into Japan anthropology. So interviewing academics, that sounds like a really interesting idea. I'm going to think about that. <laughs> so the book that we're talking about today uses ethnography to explore the social side of media through fieldwork in really different various sites of anime-related production, and we'll talk about some of those sites. Now, the products of production here, this is actually really interesting, and, and again, we'll talk about this a little bit later. These products include not just anime programs and films, but also material objects, toys, and also things that we might not think about um, usually as products, and this really interestingly, I think, helps us do that, form of labor, ways of thinking about masculinity, of love, of emotion, among other things. So this is a really interesting, very deep, and very broad-ranging study that we get to through an ethnography of anime. Can you talk a little bit about how you came to this topic in particular? Where does this fall within the larger trajectory of your research? Sure. Well, when I was a graduate student, uh, I was interested in questions of cultural globalization uh, and the whether globalization was leading to a homogenous global culture or whether processes of localization would, in fact, outweigh 
uh, whatever global influences appear to be out there, that seemed to be a very interesting kind of, of intellectual problem. And what I ended up studying in order to explore that was Japanese rap music. Uh, that uh, I've been a music fan for many, many years and a hip-hop fan since college. And uh, when I went to Japan for some preliminary research, I discovered rap music. Uh, and it had all these interesting things around language and masculinity and race, because it's black music and yellow rappers, and I'm a white guy who's into hip-hop. And so these things are sort of mixed together in really complicated uh, and fascinating ways. And, and what I found at the end was that hip-hop does in some ways lead to global homogenization. You can ask rap fans around the world uh, what is hip-hop, and they can describe the four elements of breakdance, graffiti, uh, rap music, and DJing. Uh, and so there are ways that there's a shared vocabulary, fashion, uh, style of music. And yet, once you 